Lennox Out Loud is firing up our mics, connecting those headphones as we search the community for themes to expound upon. We keep the banter friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. This week, we're spouting off about passwords and password security. How do we keep those other people in our families and friend circles safe? Let's get into episode 38. Linux Out Loud is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. With me today are my two favorite co-hosts, Nate, the open Sousa arch-loving extraordinaire, huh. and Matt. He's frequently come back from his BSD troubles. Welcome back, Matt. Apparently he couldn't hang there. My BSD troubles are, you know, PlayStations. Because um, <laughs> that's the amount of BSD I use. Just like if you use an Xbox, you're probably running Windows. Anyway. Well, we figured that you didn't show up last week and what happened was you'd installed BSD on your system and you just couldn't get here. You were just too busy having fun with it or whatnot. And we missed you. Uh, no. <laughs> on either one of those, no. I noticed that there was a placeholder page set for BSD Out Loud. I figured you were starting your own show. Nate, I'm going to ship you a Mac. <laughs> Great. There's your BSD. I'll take it. I need to learn how to use them. They're so cumbersome and difficult. Have a Hackintosh? No, 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 no. I'm not saying I'm going to hack it. I'm not going to give him a Hackintosh. That's too easy. I'm going to subjugate him to Mac OS, i.e. his free BSD or BSD. Hey, I use many OSs. Just the main ones, though. I use Linux, Commodore 64, and Commodore Amiga. Oh, I guess there's Android, too. I love how he generalizes Linux but doesn't specify which Linux. <laughs> well, we know his main one is definitely OpenSUSE. It is. But he's enjoying that arch on the side. Yes, he is enjoying that arch on the side. <laughs> you keep messing around with uh, SteamOS, OpenSUSE is going to get a little jealous. OpenSUSE is already jealous. Probably. I don't think they are. Well, at least SteamOS didn't give you audio issues. Give me different issues. Only in the flat packs. While you were away, Matt, you did actually get to play a game... Is it one that's new to you or is it one that you've played in the past and you're just picking up again? Actually, this is one that I had under NDA, so I couldn't even talk about it last week, even if I wanted to. <laughs> so it's a new game. It is called the Entropy Center. It is, I guess the best way to explain it is a time manipulation puzzle game. It is the best way to describe the game. It has elements of the humor of like Portal or uh, Kentucky Road Zero or any of those kind of games where there's not really other characters per se, but there's the AI character or like in, uh, I think it's Broken Age or is it, there's another game where basically the narrator is trying to kill the player. Oh, wow. Yeah. They make sarcastic jokes about the player being stupid and stuff. It's great. It'd be like me narrating Nate's life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've played Sonic, but it's one of the comments my daughter has made about one of the Sonic games is they've got the Chow, I believe is what she called him. Mm -hmm. And the one really isn't helpful because he gives you the hints after you've already like messed up or done the thing that it gives you the hint about. So is it kind of like that in a way too? Uh, no. So the puzzles start out easy. As you go through them, they get gradually harder. So like, it's like they'll give you like three spots. You have one block to do it. 
So you can stand on a square and stand on another and have a block on the other square, but you have a third one to use. So you have to use the time manipulation in order to move the box around to open the door kind of deal. So it's like 3D spatial awareness kind of puzzles with time manipulation. It's actually a pretty fun game because like the gun that you get for this is sarcastic as crap. <laughs> I do like I'm that. looking at one of the videos that's playing and I see the mouth moving on it and some of the facial expressions they have on this. It looks like it could be a lot of fun and at the same time really really frustrating definitely can be a frustrating thing if like puzzle games are not your thing so if those style of games are not what you're interested in is not going to be for some it is very niche and it's very particular for who it's for and that's the audience it's aiming for it's not trying to expand that audience but it does do a lot of stuff that's interesting I do like the kind of the cyberpunky art style because like the first scene you get is you walking down a, I guess, a time path, uh, like a timeline corridor of like what has happened prior. But you have you're just kind of thrown at it. You have no knowledge of it. The longer you play, the more story bits kind of come out for you. Oh, nice. The AI character there that you had just mentioned on the gun there will show up. And one of the things is like it puts you on a tram, but it ends up speeding up the tram so fast that you end up getting catapulted off the tram. Oh, no. That's funny. So you end up saying something like, yeah, let's not do that again. And (laughs) the AI ends up saying something along the lines of, your uh, employee documentary has been updated to not like, you know, not like speed or something or fast movement or something. So it's just like sarcastic little things like that that can be like, oh, OK, that's that just makes it more humorously interesting. I love puzzle style games. It's one of the things I enjoy. So I'm really curious about that side of this game. The only thing I'm not quite sure of is it looks like not only is a puzzle game, but you actually need to be faster when it comes to using the different keys on your keyboard, mouse, or do you play this one with a controller? Obviously, I couldn't say a whole lot for the last like week that I've had this game. The NDA I have it for is on the Xbox Series X, so I've been playing on a controller. So I've been playing on the Xbox controller. Nice. As far as the time stuff... There's a rewind function, but what happens with that rewind function, you can almost stop dead in that spot. There's kind of this where it's like, you're not going to get so far into a puzzle where it's like, okay, I need to be like mad quick with this. Okay, cool. So you have time to actually think about stuff and kind of plot out a little more. There is elements like the rewind only works for so long on certain elements and that kind of stuff. But like there's that pause element that you can use within trying to solve those puzzles that does help. So. Interesting. So I am looking on it at Steam and it's still not out yet. That's probably why you're under NDA. According to Steam, it'll be out November 3rd. So when the show releases, it'll be out. But as time of recording, it's still not officially launched yet. That is correct. So therefore, I can talk about it now because by the time this comes out, it'll already be <laughs> It will already bet out. Looks like to me like it's like a 3D shooter slash puzzle game. Like you have a like a tractor beam looking thing on the end of your rifle or whatever it is. No, no, that that tractor beam thing is the time manipulation gun. That's the element that you use to rewind things and whatnot. Oh, okay. From what I've seen, there's no actual combat. I can't speak okay. to that because I'm still in the process of 
playing through the entirety of the game. I've got maybe three to four hours in so far. Hmm. That looks pretty cool. I've added it to my wish list, so I will go ahead and see what the price is when it actually launches. And it does have a demo. I'll probably go ahead and download that too, play it for a little bit. I love it when games have demos so you can actually see, is this something I want to pick up or not? Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely agree. I've bought some games after playing the demos, and I have been very, very thankful I hadn't bought games after playing the demos. (laughs) I totally understand that mentality. (laughs) I usually just buy the full thing, the full version, usually when it's on sale, though. So on sale. And then if I don't like it, I just don't tell anybody. Well, obviously, you're not going to tell me because, you know. Yeah, of course. Wait a minute. Hold on. (laughs) So I've been testing out and doing puzzle games. Nate, you've been testing out uh, apparently Wayland on the puzzle that is the C64 imposter. Yes, I've been very pleased with Wayland as of late. It's kind of been an on and off thing that's been going on between Wayland and I. But Wayland has been great. The only one thing I can't do, or it's two things I can't do, but they're not very common. The ability having a, a virtual KVM is still not possible, which is kind of sorely missed. I don't need it all the time. And the other thing I can't do is virtual machines in virtual box virtual machines in libvirt works just fine so if you're using libvirt no big deal but it just does not work in virtual box at least for me it hasn't but it's been great i set up obs to all work on wayland now so i'm not going to be using any x11 for doing anything with obs any of the live streams using doing linux saloon so i got everything you know configured the way i like i did some enhancements with the help of uh, steve's very own he actually helped me do some more fun things with obs to make it a, a better experience for me and, and and so forth so i'm really excited i've upgraded, I guess you could say, my display server on my main rig here. And I've done some upgrades in OBS to make Linux Loon a little bit better. I mean, you still got the crummy host, but you know, what can you do about that? I'm very happy. So that was it. I got most things running on Wayland now quite happily. That's kind of cool that you got an update from last week because you had mentioned that you hadn't tried virtual machines. So at least one of them works Do you see yourself going back to X11 at all, or are you pretty much sure you're solid on Wayland from here on out? At this point, I don't see myself going back to X11. The experience on Wayland is at parity with X11 minus two things. And the improvements of using Wayland over X11 are far greater than the problems I have with Wayland, if that makes any sense. Weighing the improvements versus the regressions, Wayland is a better experience for me right now. I do appreciate how things just run smoother. I don't know if it's really that much better on battery life on on the laptop. I can't say for sure. But I can say that the weirdness that comes with X11 that we're very familiar with don't seem to be happening in Wayland. And the things like dragging and dropping that were irritating or certain clicking gestures and so forth, like with the, like if you middle or right click and the maximize button on the window and plasma, that works fine now. So all the things that I've normally been using how i've been using my computer those all still carry over so as a consequence i'm very happy i haven't tried it out again since we talked about it last week but i'm gonna have to make the switch make sure that everything's up to date and give it a try yeah i don't know how it's going to be on other distributions but on open tumbleweed it is fantastic wendy Sounds like you've been doing some ordering for your robot army that's going to take over. Yes, my robot army with raspberry pies. Ooh, expensive robot army. (laughs) Yes, very expensive robot army. Actually, it wasn't the cheapest order ever that I recently placed, but I had talked about the 
built hat and the sense hat. And I finally was able to get them ordered this last weekend, along with a few other things. I did go ahead and get the official Raspberry Pi mouse and the official Raspberry Pi keyboard just so I had another one to use. I really only have two keyboards in the house, the one on my main system and then the one on the kitchen system. And it really is kind of a pain to unhook it and then rehook it back up to those systems. At the same time, like if anything happens to this mouse and keyboard, I'm not super worried. I think I'll eventually replace them with a lower end mechanical keyboard just because I like the feel of them. I like typing on them better. I like the accuracy of them a little bit better, but this goes ahead and fills that void. So I'm not swapping mice and keyboard back and forth. Then I went ahead and got the complete component kit for Raspberry Pi, which price-wise still isn't that bad. It was $30.95 from pieshop.us. I'll go ahead and link to that down below as well. It has a lot of little bits and pieces in it in order to make sure that there's nothing that we're hoping for, wishing for, of course a Pi 3 power supply because I don't have one of those. I've got a Pi 4. It uses the USB-C. I didn't necessarily have one for the Pi 3. I'd found something that had worked, but this way I've got something that's specifically dedicated for that. And then the other thing, on top of that, I got a Raspberry Pi sensor kit, and this comes with some really, really cool sensors in it. A little bit of everything that we can have a chance to play with So it doesn't necessarily have to be one of the sensors or the motors that comes with our Lego stuff, which we'll be using on that build hat. I can't wait to dive into the sensor kit. And it kind of reminded me when we were talking a little while back about having maybe some buttons that are triggered from like one side. So if it comes from the kids on this team, then you can see who got that answer first. Something like this I think would be possible to do something like that with, with all the sensors that come in this kit. Of course, you need a duplicate of some of the buttons and whatnot, but it's a really good start for us to use. And last time we talked about the Raspberry Pi stuff, I was wanting a way to be able to use multiple Raspberry Pis. I don't have a battery pack picked out yet, so it doesn't necessarily need to be compact. And I picked up a Pi stack. So it is a stack hat for the Raspberry Pi, like the one you shared. It can have up to three hats as part of it. Nice. So that way I can use the build hat and the sense hat at the same time and kind of play with those different features and functions and then eventually figure out how to make that overall smaller for a movable robot with both hats, but at least gives us a starting point. That should be here tomorrow. I cannot wait for it to get here. I'm going to be buzzing all day. Like, when is the FedEx guy getting here? When is the (laughs) FedEx guy getting here? Of course, I will be out of the house for a little bit for co-op, but I guarantee you that we are headed home right after co-op because if it's not already on the doorstep, I will be meeting him at the fence for that package. Nice. That's really awesome. And I hope that you will share some pictures with us. Just because, well, okay, at least with me, I don't know about Matt. Just because I'm interested in seeing the new stuff that you're getting for sure. Yeah, I will go ahead and clean off the robotics table. It's a little bit messy, kids, and I have piled some stuff on it recently. I do have the Raspberry Pi 3 ready to go. It's already got everything on it that it needs to have. I've already installed 
the bits and pieces for the sense hat and the build hat on it. So really all I need is the other hardware and it's set to go. So we will start playing with that, of course, tomorrow because I am not a Michael. When tech shows up, <laughs> it immediately comes out of the box. Awesome. Come on. Don't give Michael too much of a problem. Just because he had that true Naz there sitting on his shelf for like six months doesn't mean anything. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Though I do have to say, the last time he got a piece of tech, it was audio tech. That did come out of the box really soon. So I think he's getting better. Ryan and I just need to work on him a little bit more to get him from that Padawan stage into a true hardware addict. We're working on it. We're getting there. It sounds like a lot of work to me. It is a lot of work. (laughs) But we're pushing on through. This episode of Linux Out Loud is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Cloud computing can be, well, let's say, complex, especially for a guy like me. But standing up reliable, affordable cloud infrastructure really doesn't have to be. At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your teams can get back to doing what matters most, building world-changing apps that grow your business. Predictable pricing robust product documentation and services that developers love. That's DigitalOcean. Get support at every stage of growth from teams of one, so just you, to teams of a thousand with simple, powerful cloud computing and growing at DigitalOcean. As a listener of Linux Out Loud and a member of the Tux Digital community, you can get started for free. In fact, it's even better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 credit when you sign up at do.co slash tux2022. That's do.co slash tux2022. So again, go to get started with your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's awesome cloud platform. Go to do.co slash tux2022. Speaking of Michael, he recently shared an article inside the Hardware Addicts thread where we're talking about upcoming show stuff from Tom's Hardware. And it says the title of this, which of course is definitely a bit clickbaity, but it goes through and holds on to that. Eight RTX 4090s can break passwords in under an hour. Now they are talking about your standard length eight character passwords with one special character and one number as part of it. So when somebody is jumping on to sign up for a new website and it's telling them to put in a password and they're like, ugh, I gotta do (laughs) eight characters and it really needs a number and a character. Yeah, it's for your overall safety. But at this point, like if somebody has enough money to have a bank of eight 4090s, then those things are easier to crack. Now, part of this article that absolutely killed me It killed me that apparently the most common password for 2021 is 123456. Now, I thought it was a joke on Spaceballs when they're talking about, oh, you know, the luggage being (laughs) 12345. Apparently, people still actually do this for their passwords in a digital age. And it got me thinking. We're probably preaching to the choir here when it comes to making sure that you have longer passwords, making sure that they're randomized, or that you're using different passwords for every single website that you're a part of. But what are some of the options for people that are wanting a way to help generate passwords? 
And how do we help those other people in our lives, those non-tech people, have randomly generated or different passwords for every single website? So this is going to sound like a cheap plug and, well, kind of is, but it's also because it's a fantastic project and product. Uh, If you know what you're doing, use Bitwarden. (laughs) Short version. I love Bitwarden. Uh, I was never really a password manager guy, personally. But once you start using Bitwarden or really any password manager, use which one ever you prefer. But I know people on the network will totally understand where I'm coming from. The fact that the mobile app experience is great. The fact that password generation is fairly easy. It's a great thing to use. As far as generic people, uh, download Firefox, use the built-in one. The built-in one inside Firefox is actually pretty nice. I've taken a look at some of the passwords that it suggests and they definitely are a longer password. Like you said, I myself love Bitwarden, and it's not just the vault itself, but the generator is really, really nice. So it's got the options of a password or a passphrase. You can also generate a username if you want. It does have that availability. You have a choice in the length. You have a choice in whether there's capital letters in it or not, numbers, special characters. I can make really, really long randomized passwords. The only time that that's not so great is then when I have to type that password in using a remote control. That's when I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I do this to myself? Oh yeah, yeah, it's to keep the account safe. That's why I did that to myself. (laughs) But you're right that Firefox has a great one built in, though I did hand my dad Bitwarden on his laptop that he has running Pop! OS. I don't think people necessarily have to have a high technical skill to use an add-on password manager. It's just, are they going to consistently use it? Because it doesn't do you any good to have one built into your browser or installed on your phone if you're not actually using it. How do you go, hey, here's this thing. It's going to help keep you safe without sounding like a broken record or like you're nagging somebody about it. So the nice thing with the Firefox one is, at least from what I've noticed, anytime you first log into a account, it automatically pops up with like, hey, here's a random password for you. Do you want to use this instead of, you know, whatever? And I think bringing that to kind of the user's attention is a great, I won't call it subtle, but I would call it a definite improvement to... I'm going to use the same password as like password with a one or in one, two, three, four, five, six, as it were as well, you know? So I think just making it more of a focal point. And it's like, if you're going to look at it for an end user, I would tell us, Hey, this created a password for you. You don't even need to have one. You don't even need to come up with one. Realistically, most end users are lazy. That's why they reuse passwords or, you know, you can call it that they're forgetful or whatever, but generically they're lazy. So if something's going to give you a password for you and you don't have to remember it, generically speaking, why wouldn't you use that? It's like, hey, this will generate passwords for you. You don't even have to worry about it. It's not the best because it is like if you do have to log in and then you don't have a password, well, that could be a problem. Right. But And typically Firefox is going to save that for you. Mm-hmm. One of the upsides of using a separate password manager is maybe those are a little bit more secure because that password vault is locked down. 
Whereas if your computer is logged into, you have the browser open, it is potentially easier for somebody to access your passwords, though they do need physical access to your machine to get that. But I feel better about a family member using this automatically generated password on Firefox than continue to using the same password over and over and over again. Totally agree. Not to shill uh, Bitwarden, but I do love Bitwarden. I know they're a sponsor, but again, I liked them before they became a sponsor. Right. And the automatic password management of that is absolutely fantastic. The way you can have it be your password manager on your mobile device, absolutely fantastic. As a standalone app, it's also really good, like, you know, not just as a browser plugin, but as a standalone. So if you want to manage your passwords with a little more um, granularity, you can do that. And also just putting critical pieces of information you wouldn't put on a post-it note, you know, in an office sitting on top of your keyboard. Great place to keep little notes like that as well for accessing certain bits of information. You know, like I use Bitwarden to hold different keys and whatnot for services as well. So the experience, I think, of keeping your things secure in conjunction with convenience of use is very important in all situations because if the experience is cumbersome and you have a hard time managing the tool or whatever, the tool is not easy to use or the tool is, you know, just wonky, then it's really hard to continue to use it. It's not sustainable. But things like Bitwarden, I'm sure there are other great password managers out there, but things like Bitwarden, because they are so easy to use and intuitive, it's not difficult. It makes sense. It has a great search feature built into it. It makes securing your information you know, with good passwords that are randomly generated and also passphrases really does improve one, not only your web experience, but your web security. Passphrases are absolutely awesome. I like them for things that I need to access maybe a little bit more frequently. A regular randomized password isn't necessarily the easiest thing for me to memorize. But if I have a series of words with some sort of character in between them, that does help me remember, oh, this is what I got to do and I can type it out. And sometimes my husband looks at me funny as I'm typing out the series of words because, you know, (laughs) he's supposed to know what they are. But yeah, I still got funny looks for some of them and other people when I'm telling them what the password is to the guest Wi-Fi or whatnot. They're like, oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, randomized words. It's absolutely awesome. And you're right. There really are some other great open source options out there when it comes to generating passwords. We like Bitwarden for several reasons, and some of those are because we can get them on all of our devices. So everywhere I go, I've got my passwords with me. I can generate them anywhere. But say you want something that is just for your computer. There's one called PWGen. It's also free. It's supposedly portable. I'm not sure if you can get it on your mobile devices or whatnot. But this one is specifically for Windows. The one of the cool things about this one is you can still choose your password length. You can use characters or words. But this is where those dedicated password management applications come in is it can have other security features. So this one can encrypt your clipboard. It can create some other random data file. And then, of course, you've got your main password generator as part of it. What do you think about having a password manager that's also helping to keep an encrypted clipboard? I can see some definite advantages of that because if you think about it, when you're copying and pasting your password over, it does sit in your clipboard. And 
that is a concern. And so having that clipboard encrypted would be valuable. I don't know if there are any plugins or things for Plasma. I haven't really dug into Plasma's clipboard, but I can definitely see an advantage of having a clipboard that is secured like that. And I don't know how long of history Plasma hangs on to either. I could probably look that up. 20 entries. Yeah, and you can set that. You can change that in your overall clipboard setting. So I think from the beginning, it's got 20 entries. And then you might be able to add some additional security onto that. And it's possible that the clipboard in some of the other DEs also have that functionality where you can encrypt your keyboard and help keep that safe. It's kind of cool that this particular application is thinking about that. The way it's set up, though, I don't know that it's necessarily newbie or average person friendly with how you're setting some of those up. It's not terribly difficult, but it's definitely not inviting by any means in the way it's set up. It really reminds me of like an early 2000s application hmm. and granted so it works well and he has a very small memory footprint their focus is not <laughs> how it looks necessarily but the functionality of it overall right. key pass k-e-e pass is another open source password manager and this one i know for sure does work on windows mac os or linux you can launch the software by going to tools and generate passwords. So that's kind of a nice way to incorporate it into your everyday kind of things. That's something that is possible to get one of those family or friends to use a little bit more often. It seems like it's a little bit easier no matter where they are in order to get into that and generate that password. And another feature that I think is really cool about this one is they have a duplicate entry feature. So if you've saved the same password and username more than once for a specific website, that it can help you clean that up so you don't have a vault full of duplicates. Like we can get with files and pictures and all of that stuff. You don't want to have all of that clutter building up in your password manager either. Gotcha. There's a whole list of them that I've found of different password generators that I will share in the description because I think it's really cool to see what some of these other password managers are doing, some of the extra things that they have coming to it, and especially ones that are open source. There are some other options out there that are not, but this is one of those cases where I feel like we have so many really fantastic options mm -hmm, for sure. that are open source that I don't see the need to go to a closed source one. And I'm open when sometimes I use closed source applications. Sometimes it is the best one for the job with what's currently available. But as far as password managers and my privacy and security, hands down open source. And some of these especially the one that's built directly into Firefox, we might be able to get those other people in our life to start using randomized passwords and not one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, that hurts to say. <laughs> I totally agree. There's taking a little time to just use good passwords. I think it's a very small ask, really. Give them some tools, some ways of managing it. I push people toward it all the time. And I think it's just a better way to conduct online business. Yeah, unless you only have the one site, then feel free to just use that one password. Right, I guess that's for sure. I know, I think it was Ulfnik who had shared a while ago an infographic about 
how long it took for certain passwords to be correct depending on their length and some of the other additions in them. I need to ask him which one he used because I'm curious to look at that again. I tried to find it and couldn't seem to find it. I don't know which social media it was on and which thread it was on, but I'd be really, really curious to look at that again. I think that might be a good way to help maybe some of those other people. And we're like, hey, yeah, go ahead and use a password randomized generator and a password vault in order to help keep yourself safe online. That's a really good way to show them, hey, if somebody wants into your account, that especially for some of these shorter passwords, it really takes almost no time to crack them and they don't even need an expensive 4090 to do it. Right. The article did say that your personal computer is probably not at risk unless it were taken, like someone had physical control over it. But that doesn't really negate the importance of a good password even on your personal computer that maybe is off most of the time. It's better to be safe than sorry, I guess, in that regard. Well, yeah. I mean, really, all it takes is one hack of a website where they get your password if you're using the same password over and over again. And then, especially if it's the same password and the same username, then they can take really popular sites and use that password and username combo on them and see if they get in. If they get in, great. You know, whoever hacked whichever website isn't out anything, but now they have access to personal data. They might be able to buy things, change the shipping address, and have stuff shipped to them. Overall, using multiple passwords is extremely important. And this just goes to emphasize this, that as the hardware is getting better, then it becomes easier and easier for some of these hackers to use those tools and quicker to do it. And so even though the website tells you the minimum is eight characters with one number and one special character, let's take the step up. Let's go above the minimum and help protect your data, help protect your finances with something as simple as clicking the random generated password inside of Firefox and letting it save it for you. I got a link for it, how secure is my password? I don't know if it's the same one, but you can type stuff in there. It's pretty nice. Like I can put, you know, Matt is a big giant tool and that would take 23 million years to crack for somebody. Although someone knows that already, so that does reduce the strength of the password, but there you go. You know, you shouldn't use that for all of your passwords, Nate. Well, it's, you know, Matt is a giant tool, but I capitalize <laughs> Matt and then I put some numbers after it. <laughs> maybe an exclamation point, maybe an at symbol if I'm feeling a little saucy, you know? Well, it's a good thing all my passwords are Nate is an arch user one. <laughs> Well, that's good to know. Also, bitwarden.com has a password strength tool. You can check that as well. So if you want to check out, like type your passwords in there to see if it's pretty good or whatever, it gives you an estimated time to crack it as well. That is really awesome. It's a nice way to check maybe some of the current passwords you have and seeing which ones need to be updated. Or again, to help that family member, loved one in your life say, see, go ahead and type it in here and how long would it take it to crack? Because I know people think, oh, it'll never happen to me. It is definitely one of those situations of my password's fine. I've been using this one for years and all of my accounts are just fine. Matt, is your uh, username still ladiesman217? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody thinks I want to say and I can't say any of them. If that's my username, Nate, then yours is, by the way, I run Arch. By the way, I don't run Arch. No more than you run BSD. Keep telling yourself (laughs) that, homeboy. Hello, Magneto here. 
This episode of Linux Out Loud is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we, well, that they use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password as well as additional authentication such as master password and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your password safe. From me. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. $10 premium account includes 1 gigabyte of encrypted file storage, 2-step login with YubiKey, U2F, or Duo, Vault Health Reports, and TOTP Authenticator Storage and Generation, and Priority Customer Support. Make the smart move, like many from the community have, and go to bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. If you're like my wife, Sinister Wendy, you'll want to show your appreciation by signing up for the Premium Edition, especially since the Premium Edition only starts at $10 a year. Thanks to Bitwarden for supporting this episode of Linux Out Loud. Magneto out. With all of your busy BSD stuff, you got to play the one game, and you probably got to play it because, <laughs> let's be honest, you got early access to this game. What else have you been up to? Uh, Work and getting my car fixed. That was pretty much it. Well, that <laughs> sounds exciting. That doesn't sound fun at all. It has not been fun at all. Part of the reason I wasn't here last week. You mean it wasn't because you were playing with BSD? No, no. Maybe no. what he's saying is it wasn't fun playing with BSD and he missed us terribly. And that's why I oh, came back. Oh, okay. Yes. I'm glad you can read between the lines for us, Nate. Well, I did miss having conversations with Wendy. Uh, the third person in the conversation can see his way out of the A and B portion of it. Yeah, but at least <laughs> see I show up. Ooh. <laughs> uh, so, unfortunately, I have not been able to be productive. But However, it seems like, Nate, you are actually trying to be productive for once. Okay, where's Nate and what have you done with him? I'm always trying to be productive. The question is, am I succeeding in my trying of being productive? You know, Yoda once said do or do not there is no try so absolutely this last week i've been doing as yoda said on my list of projects i really want to knock out before year end especially before the weather completely turns on me is getting my cubicle labs on some kind of solar power you know not necessarily covering all the costs but just you know reducing some of my costs even through the winter time we do get enough sun here that it should at least remove a few nickels here and there out of my electric bill so i got my microinverters mounted on the wall where they're going to go kind of up high-ish. You, know, you need a ladder to get to them for reasons. And then I'll run the conduit and everything else, hopefully today yet. I also installed some new garage door seals in preparation for wintertime. You know, also like sometimes water infiltration when it rains real heavy will come into there, into the building. But there are floor drains, so it's not a big deal, but I want to reduce that a little bit more. I'm also been doing some renovations in my basement so I can move all the Legos and Transformers from Cubicle Labs into the house. So I've been doing some painting today. I'd like to say I'm half done. I want to be done before recording started, but yeah, it's not going great. And then moving the deep freeze that I have also out here at Cubicle Labs into my basement so that when I do lose power, I have a battery backup in the house that'll keep the freezer going, which is very important to me as well. I don't have any battery backups outside of the computers out here in Cubicle Labs. I have the things set up for the house and everything else for this purpose. So that's going to move there as well. And I talked about my fence project. Well, I hadn't finished it because I hadn't completely cleared all the area to run the fence. Yesterday, I finally got all that cleared. Well, I should say cleared enough to run the fence. There's still more that has to be cleared, but you know, at least I can finish that part of it. Most excitedly, I'm going to, when all those things are done, I can then build my new retro table 
for my studio here. Right now, things are sitting on like a folding table, like a big six foot long folding table that isn't really the best suited. So I have a design that I worked out for keeping the monitors and such raising them up a little bit and then putting things like discs or cartridges or whatever underneath the monitors and then have everything a little bit more neatly organized. So I'm very excited about that as well. So all these things I'm trying to knock out here. I'm hoping that by the next time we talk, all these things will have been done. Well, except for the fence. That's not going to get done yet. That's just a lot of work. You have definitely <laughs> been incredibly busy. I want to hear more about this retro table. What is it exactly? Well, I have a lot of older machines. I know it comes as a surprise to you. But the way it is right now, it's not well suited for just sitting down and playing right now, like playing a game for you know a few minutes here and there, or just turning it on and tinkering around with things. I have to move connectors around. And then the table is a little bit overcrowded because of all the media and such that I have for the different systems. So it's just not set up very well at all. It's not useful. So I'm building a table out of you know, two by fours. I'll put a, an MDF top on it. Basically that compressed cardboard essentially is what it is that they use for structural things. Then I'm going to cut the four by eight sheet down, three foot by eight foot sheet, and then that last foot be raised up above and then over part of that three foot It'll still be fairly deep, but instead of having the media intermingled with the devices, I'm going to have things so they're just a little bit better sorted out so it doesn't look like a complete mess. I want to try and just make sure things are just a little bit more tidy. And then also, like, if I do, for whatever reason, have company, which I actually prefer not, but should I have company or if I want to just, you know, hang out with the kids or whatever, play some old things out here, then it's a little bit more fun. Awesome. We definitely need pictures when you are done with this project. The top of my desk my sit-stand desk is also made of MDF. It's a really nice, sturdy material for things like that. I ended up doing a resin pour job on mine, which we've talked about a lot in the past. Really nice desktop material, especially if you're going to cover it with something anyway. A good idea, actually. And I didn't really think about it, but that's probably not a bad idea, a good way to go. It'll be some more time and some more money, but I think it might be worth it in the end. One of the things that I loved about the resin pour was my sit-stand desk is very unique to me. It's the colors that I wanted, so it wasn't trying to choose between a plain old black one. Definitely wasn't going to do white. I use dark themes on all of my computers, so I definitely don't want a super bright desktop. And I love the finished look of it, so... While really nobody else gets to see my desk, it's just for me. It does make this really nice, long-lasting surface for my computer. And then the other advantage is that if I ever want to change my desktop, then I can pull this off and mount it somewhere else for another desk, say for the kids, a workspace somewhere else, and rebuild a new desktop for it with a brand new epoxy core. Really, really flexible. Yeah, that's good to know. You'll have to share with me what you used again, just because I, I'd like to check that out and see if it'll suit me. Yeah, absolutely. I will send you some links to what I did. One of the things I will tell you if you're going to do an epoxy pour is make sure that it's warm enough in the building. So if your building is now for the most part really, really cold, I would wait to do the epoxy pour until next summer. If you have in a heated building, then that is not a problem. It's heated. So you're good <laughs> to go. I ended up doing mine in June in my unheated garage, and it took absolutely forever 
forever for the epoxy to set up. So if anybody else is doing this again, I say find a heated place, wait until it's warm outside instead of just diving in and going for it. The other thing that I didn't do that I could probably still like clean the top and do was there is another product that I could have put on the top to help harden the epoxy even more to help with scratches. I really wasn't too worried about it, but you have kids like I do, and I had a child take the metal edge of a ruler and dig it into my desk. Well, that's lovely. Very, very lovely. So when I redo the kitchen table, which won't get regular epoxy, it'll just get a clear epoxy over top of it, I will add that additional hardening product to help it last longer. I would be interested in knowing what that product is as well, because... I do want a hard surface that can take the abuse because, well, I can get rough on things. Not on purpose. I'm just, I have um, a bad way about me sometimes. It can't be as bad as Magneto. All right. So what happens? This is a for real. I'll work on something and I think, oh, it needs just a little bit more force. Oh, just needs a little bit more force. Oh, just needs a little more force. And then I end up breaking things. Not on purpose. I'm a gilly gorilla the darn thing. And then, then I have more work ahead of me. Because now you got to fix it. Yeah. I just made it worse. Way worse. Right. So in fairness to Magneto, his is by accident. Nate, yours seems to be more by choice. Well, it's, yeah, I just mess up. My decision-making process seems to be chronically flawed in that regard. Not in all regards. Well, I mean, you would think that a little bit more force would break it loose or fix whatever you're working on. Right. I know my husband was working on something and he was using somebody else's pry bar and snapped the pry bar because (laughs) of the force he was using on it, which they're like, holy crap, I can't believe you actually did that. But thankfully, that part had a lifetime warranty, so they were able to take it in and get it exchanged for a new pry bar. But yeah, that's something that we deal with at our house all the time. Magneto's great at doing that. My oldest boy has a tendency to accidentally break stuff, so... It's a regular thing at our house. I totally get it. See, Matt? See? I don't know what you have to see, but something. I can tell you. Well, Wendy, since Matt is essentially a failure on his duty of giving us a game of the week, seems like you have come through and given us something. Wait, wait, wait. In fairness, I did give a game, just not the right portion of the show. Right. You talked about your game earlier on, so I've got to fill the <laughs> void and give us a game now. There you go, Matt. I got nothing. <laughs> I know, that's the problem. You got nothing. Recently, there was the Halloween spooktacular sale. I can't remember exactly what they called it on Steam. And I was cruising through what they had and ended up picking the original Walking Dead game. This one came out April of 2012. So it's actually been out for quite a while. Now, this is gameplay that I have never done before, where you are picking the storyline as you go, which feels really, really weird. And I'm now like nervous about some of the responses that I'm giving. And I've figured out that (laughs) if I have something highlighted and the time runs out, it's like not answering at all. So that still is making a choice by not actually choosing one of the options that are available. One of the cool things about this game is you could play it multiple times and end up with different things happening because it is based on your choices. I'm not super far into it. Though I have noticed that this is more like the comics instead of like the TV show, 
where you're going to get way more language, your violence is a little more gruesome, I guess you could say in those terms, because it's not edited for TV. So if this is something you are wanting to play, I do suggest having headphones on if there are kids around, because there's definitely some areas or some very, very strong language. This is a new thing for me. Yeah, it's kind of puzzle-ish. It is more point-clicky, though I have found out you do have to be fast on the keys sometimes because I wasn't very far into the game when I was already eaten by a zombie because I didn't push the gosh dang buttons fast enough. <laughs> so just testing some of my skills that way. Movement is a little bit funky sometimes that to go forwards, I have to use the back button. Not a huge fan of necessarily how to move, but I am getting it figured out. It is very much a story-based game. It is very much an adventure through your choices style of game. It's been kind of cool to see some of the characters that I really enjoyed from the show. I haven't read the comics yet. I really should. Michael's told me I should. I'll get there. I'll get there. But it's been really cool to see some of those characters popped up in this, and they're different from the way they were in the show. So even though this is an old game, it is definitely very much new to me. I'm a bit of Matt in giving you another game this week and a little bit of Nate where it's a game from days of past and many of you probably already <laughs> played it. So it's probably falling on. People are like, yeah, I've been there, done that. But I am finding it interesting and we'll see how the choices I make go. I do find it kind of distracting at the same time when it's telling me so-and-so realizes your loyalty, somebody thinks you're lying or, you know, whatnot that's over in the top corner. And there's this little, like, info bubble that I haven't clicked on yet. What is it going for on Steam? I got it on sale with the DLC for right around $6 if oh. you're buying it not on sale, which it's no longer on the Spooktacular sale. It's currently 15 for the game itself and then another $5 for the DLC. That's still not bad. But I'm pretty sure if you add it to your wish list, you can get it on sale again. And yeah, overall price, it's really not that bad. They do have a VR only Walking Dead game and I wish the VR headset didn't make me sick because I would have picked that newer one up on sale if I didn't get so disoriented and have such eye strain with the VR headset because I think that would have been really cool. Oh, for sure. You play a lot of these story-based pick your adventure with what you do style of games. Matt, is this one that you've played? Telltale Studios is the name of the studio that made those games. Yeah, I've played them. I don't think I've played the newest ones, which is like the final season, but uh, I've played most of the Telltale games. They, Telltale has done kind of a bunch of different games. They had the Wolf Among Us, which is based off the fables, characters, comics, or graphic novels, however you want to call them. They've also done uh, kind of an interesting take on Batman. That was an interesting one. Um, Michael would probably want to cry with that, but because it doesn't follow the like pre-established lore comics or anything like that. So I know Telltale's coming back, so there's going to be more stories as it relates to that. Yeah, I like the kind of choose your own adventure kind of stuff because you kind of morph and choose it. It brings you in closer to the story. So that's kind of like the hook. And that's really what I like about those because that's kind of what games like Detroit and like Heavy Rain and that kind of stuff do too. Do you find that you ever play them again? Or if you play them again, are you choosing the same things and so it's not really playing the game? 
actually again. So the only ones that I have replayed, I tend to view those specific games as like, this is my playthrough. This is my, quote unquote, my story or the version of the story I'm given based on the choices I've made. I generically don't like going back to replay those type of games. The only ones I have gone back in 100% were the two seasons of the Batman games. And uh, I believe they had a Guardians of the Galaxy game that I went back in 100% as well. But those are the only ones I've actually ever gone back and played. I view them in a very kind of movie-esque kind of way. Like, this is my version of the movie that I got kind of deal. You have to really like it. What made you redo the Batman one? Telltale at that point had gotten really good at branching narrative. So what I mean is like the choices having a very different outcome than what other ones would. So like your end state in a Batman games were far different than the end state. Say the end state of a choice you make in a game like uh, Wolf Among Us, which it'll tell you that, oh, X, Y, or Z is going to happen, but you won't see that at the end of an episode. You'll see that at the end of the game, which is six episodes. So choices you make in the first one won't seem to matter until you get later into the story okay whereas the batman games the story happens and the choices happen but the choices are not immediately reflected but the consequence of whatever choice you made is very implemented shortly after so it doesn't feel like this long drawn out okay when's anything i did matter right they have more of an impact earlier on and more branching stories along with it that game the batman won Looks like it was released in 2016, so still definitely an older game. Mm -hmm. If I decide that I really, really like this choose-your-own-story kind of game, which I remember the Goosebump books back when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. and you had the pick-your-own-story as you went through, which was kind of fun at first. We'll see if I continue to feel that way about this particular game, and if I do then I will pick up another game from them and that choose your own story. And it would probably be this Batman. Like I'm not a huge Batman fan, but the way you're describing it means that the choices matter so much in the game and your overall storyline that that is definitely intriguing. Like I said, there's been other companies do do something similar. Um, There's more graphically intense games like the Man of Medine. Um, Those are put out by, I think, Supermassive Games that does those. They're very 3D oriented. They're kind of spooky-esque kind of games. I think, was it the Dark Anthology, I think, is the name of the series of games that that falls under. Like you said, it's a kind of branching narrative and, you know, certain characters can get killed, but the story will keep going and reflect those characters being killed and that kind of stuff. Um, It's something you'd see in Heavy Rain, something you'd see in Detroit. Uh, What's the other one? Beyond Two Souls is another one that does something similar. Well, thanks for the additional suggestions if I end up liking this one. See, we ended up with Game of the Week Plus. Plus a whole lot of other games that fall into the same category. Exactly. Glad to have you back. Matt. I don't enable at all. I just make suggestions. <laughs> Whether or not you buy them, that's on you. You're an enabler. I'm broadening the horizons of your scope of gaming, Nate, by presenting options. Now it's your turn to toss in your two cents on today's topics. Hit the discourse form, drop us a line under this video, or contact us by visiting textdigital.com contact. If you would like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, see the links in the bottom of the show description. Find other great shows like Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, and Linux Saloon, plus more at TuxDigital.com.
Show off your love for your favorite podcasts and shows by visiting Tux Digital Merch Store. Grab yourself some awesome swag like the gamer-centric I pause my game to be here shirt or join hashtag Team Wendy with some sinister Wendy swag. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another awesome episode of Linux Out Loud. Until then, keep the banter friendly, conversation somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. And she really is sinister, guys. No, no, I'm not. I'm sweet as a button. I don't even know what that means. But <laughs> it works. It works. It works.